Life Audio. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We want families to come here and gain insightful strategies that empower them to successfully teach diverse learners at home. Hosted by founder and CEO of SPED Homeschool, Peggy Ployer. Our goal is that these powerful weekly conversations will boost your confidence to cultivate the best at-home learning environment for your student. For more homeschool resources, go to spedhomeschool.com. You're listening to Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. We'll start the conversation with Peggy and her guests next. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool, a nonprofit that empowers families to home educate diverse learners. To learn more, visit spedhomeschool.com. Here's Peggy Ployer. So today we are going to learn how to conquer homeschool obstacles. And today my guest is Jenny Swan. Welcome, Jenny, and thank and welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Peggy. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. I know we we um We've been focusing on a variety of different issues this month. Usually we stick to um, a certain topic. And so last week we had talked about um, homeschooling a child who's hard of hearing. And and Jenny has a, a child who is deaf. Um, and so she's going to be focusing a little bit on that too. So kind of a little bit in that that same theme. But we wanted to focus on kind of a bigger topic too. And Jenny um, has just so much experience and, and wisdom to share with you. So you're definitely going to want to hold on, um, even if you don't have a child who has a hearing issue, she's got a lot of information to um, to share with you and to encourage you. This hour, we just want to encourage you, um, especially this season when winter is at its toughest and, um, and we feel like we're failing in our homeschooling. I know a lot of us question that around this February time because we can't see the progress, you know, so closely. And we just feel like, oh, am I really making a difference? And so, um, so we want to encourage you in that. Um, if you're, you're in that place, um, stick around. You, you definitely want to hear this conversation. So, so yeah. So, so Jenny, you're a military, um, wife and and you have how many kids? I've got five, five kids and you homeschool. Um, and, and Jenny was sharing with me, she has kids with, with other learning issues as well. So can you, um, just dive into sharing with us just how your homeschooling journey began and a little bit about your family? 
Yeah, so um, I have a background in education. I actually have my master's in elementary education. And um, when I was doing my student teaching, we were at a school that had a large military population. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I just saw a lot of the kids kind of struggled with that transition between duty stations. um, That at, At that point, Um, state standards were all different. So you could come from one state where you were on grade level and you could go to a different state and you were not on grade level, either you were way above or way behind. And I just saw how it was really hard on those kids. Um, So when we started having kids, we decided that just while my husband was active duty, we would just go ahead and homeschool and kind of give them a little more um, cohesive education. And that's kind of where we started was okay. just, um, that, that was really the big reason kind of that everything would kind of stay the same as opposed to changing between states. Right. And, and since then, my reasons have expanded <laughs> exponentially because we're in our 12th year. So obviously there's wow. a lot of growth and maturity in me right. you know, and learning um, about schooling, but it has been incredibly helpful for my kids who do have those learning struggles, that one-on-one right. attention that they get at home and, and having a parent who, I mean, I'm their parent. So whatever they need, I'm willing to, to change and do whatever's within my power to help them. So um, that's been really beneficial for them, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's just so important for um, that stability. And I know, especially when you have children with learning challenges, that stability becomes even more of a necessity. Um, and and so, you know, we, we moved a lot. And I think that homeschooling was a grounding force for our family, too, that I never even really set up to, to do that. God prepared that ahead of me. Um, but, but just the importance of, of knowing that we needed to, to have that consistency. Um, and, and really now as my children are older, you know, they, they talk about how much we moved, but they also talked about just how much we were all together through all of those things and the adventures. I mean, Jenny and I were talking ahead of time about these adventures <laughs> that yeah. we have to embrace um, instead of calling them obstacles or challenges. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and just that, that mind switch of, um, of how did, how you've done that and how your family's done that? Yeah. So we were um, at one point stationed overseas. And um, I remember that was when I kind of really switched from thinking of things as being scary and hard to choosing to think of them as adventures. And and the deal was that I, I had to frequently drive and <laughs> yeah, my little area where I lived, none of the signs were in English anymore. And so you could easily get, oh, no. if, if you were just slightly away from where we were, you could very easily get very lost. And so I yes. started doing things, adventures, if I could get lost on them, uh-huh. <laughs> because it seemed less terrifying than calling them, you know, like scary things we had to do or things that made me nervous. I just would right. prefer it as an adventure. And um, I think that's really um, defined a lot of our schooling experience too. I know um, when we started out, when my youngest is my deaf child, And um, he's seven now, but when he was born, we were already five years into homeschooling. Um, And I remember reading all of these things that said that he really would need to be in a deaf school. um, Right. Yeah. I hear that from a lot of parents in that situation. Yeah. That he would have deaf peers, which are an important thing. Um, But I, I just really wondered if I would be able to provide all of the things that he needed. And I remember feeling so incredibly overwhelmed, like I was not going to be enough for this child or to do the things that he needed. Right. And um, I remember we were really fortunate that we had some great professionals that we worked with. And um, yes. I have a really supportive husband, too, who encouraged me um, that I... I didn't have to do it all in one day to start. Right. <laughs> we do get that um, mindset though. It's like, exactly. I, I'm not enough now and I'll never be, you know, we kind of dig that hole right away. <laughs> exactly. But they, um, I just kind of switched to 
this can't be about how overwhelming it is because that's not helping either of us. Right. It has to be about an adventure. It's learning. Um, and I, we were talking earlier, Peggy, and I was telling you that, um, you know, I tell my kids frequently, like, you're not going to start out good at whatever you're doing. Like, right. that's not a realistic yeah. expectation. Um all of us have, if anything is worth doing in our lives, we have to practice it. We have to try it again and again until we can find the way that works for us to do it. Um, You know, when you're riding a bike, you fell off again and again and again, or you, you know, you couldn't quite get your balance. And then all of a sudden your brain figured out how to catch that balance and you've got it. And that's just like anything else we do in our lives, including education. You just practice and you figure out what works in a particular situation. Um, and yes. it's, but, but it's so much easier when you don't go in with that expectation, you're going to start out perfect, <laughs> you know? Right. Exactly. Yes. I hate those like blog posts or, you know, this is how, you know, to organize your homeschool and, you know, get off, you know, everything will be perfect after you set it up this way. And it just, it isn't. (laughs) It's not. I can remember when my kids are really little, I had this beautiful classroom set up, you know, for my kids, they had the cute little Ikea desks and, and everything, their little nameplates. I was very excited. And I think we used it twice that year. Everything else was kind (laughs) of on the sofa or at the kitchen table. Yes. Mm -hmm. And, and curriculum changed and it, you know, it just, nothing was how I thought it was going to be that first year. And at the beginning, I remember that being kind of a overwhelming, like frustrating thing because I expected to just know what I was, I, I have a background in this. Well, you're a teacher, isn't you? Yes. (laughs) Exactly. But the thing is, the teaching at home is so different than teaching in a school situation. And and you just have to give yourself time to learn those things that work for you and for your child um, as you teach. After a word from our sponsor, we'll dive back into this conversation. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool. Go to spedhomeschool.com to get resources and support for teaching your unique learner at home. When we most get overwhelmed is when we shorten the learning time that we need. You know, like you said, it's it's a process. And I always, people, I always tell people in you know, when I, I've homeschooled for five years, I'll have it all down. You know, that wasn't quite right. Um, what I learned to say after those five years is after five years, I now know that what I don't know. And, and I'm, I'm at peace with that. (laughs) So it wasn't that I knew everything, but I come to live in a peace where I could exist within what I didn't know. And that was life-changing. Right. Like, and just understanding that you have the information you need at this moment. It's not going to be everything, but none of us are going to parent perfectly. None of us are going to educate our children perfectly. You can cover everything in every single book in your house and your child is still not going to know everything. (laughs) That's just not realistic. (laughs) And so, you know, it's so important to understand that all learning, our learning, their learning, it's all a process of, yes, you know, you, you get more information and then you use that information, you know, you implement that information and the way that works, Mm -hmm. yeah, the way that works in your school. And then you, you keep going. You just, it's not a process where you, you learned it and then 
okay, you're good. And you're all yeah. done. And exactly. you don't have else to learn. You know, we're 12 years in and I feel like I'm still learning stuff so right. often um, that, you know, and I look at stuff that I, I know now with my youngest being in first grade versus when my oldest was in first grade and how much more I know about just how each of these kids learn and what works for them. And, oh, exactly. there was a totally different learning system that I didn't even know about, you know, right. <laughs> and it, and it, it hasn't harmed them that I didn't know everything at the beginning. Like none That's of them are point. in some dire street, you know, because <laughs> I, I didn't know that one thing, you know, that's not yes. how it works. They've, they still, they're growing and learning too. And right. I think it's, healthy for them to see us growing and learning also to realize it very is much true. Process. Yes, yes, yes. And that it isn't someday you'll have all the answers. You can be then the teacher. Um, you know, the, our kids can learn about something and turn around and try to teach it right away. Um, yes. That And that is part of the learning process. And to integrate right. that instead of saying, okay, you have, you know, the expert can only teach. No, it's just a person that's a step ahead of the next person that can teach. Right. And and that gives you a lot of empowerment, you know, yes. as a student, too. And our kids learn that they can embrace that that um, learning process instead of, you know, just being, I guess, a victim of it. <laughs> Which is, I think, what the schools make it a lot of times is, like, you're here to learn. And then, you know, however you synthesize that outside, that's that's the beauty of homeschooling is we can ask them to do that right away. Right. And I like, that's actually one of the things that we did when um, AJ was younger, that was so incredibly helpful. So when he was born and he was identified about six weeks old oh, wow. as having okay. a, a hearing loss. And um, he, I knew he needed language that that was important right. to get accessible language into him. So we started signing, right? Well, I say we started signing. We started learning to sign. Um, yes. <laughs> um, and that was his first language. But I didn't do it by myself. I would teach my kids and then I'd have them review with him, which to them felt That's like teaching great. the baby. They were really using it, but it was helping them actually learn how to yes. do it as well. And then as he got his hearing aids and he he actually had pretty good access when he was young with his hearing aids um, to uh, speech sounds, I would have them practice their reading with him because he needed that language. He needed, and I love right. literature. I feel like literature is just amazing for building language, for teaching you how oh, to imagine and process. And he, um, so they would sit and read to him, but they didn't realize they were also practicing their own fluency skills. Yes. And, you know, it took a lot off of my plate too, because that's another thing with, um, when you're homeschooling and you feel really overwhelmed is sometimes there's just too many tasks for too few hours in a day, but there right. are some things that our kids are able to do. They're capable oh, of absolutely. doing. And it, it builds their confidence. You know, like when you have a five-year-old or a six-year-old who's just learning to read. So, you know, they're sounding everything out as they go. Right. It builds so much confidence because that baby is absolutely just, enthralled with whatever right. they're saying, like, you're talking to me, I'll just stare at you. <laughs> and that builds their confidence and it builds their sibling relationship to, uh, yes. to be able to, you know, they're basically working together on something without really kind of making it a formal thing. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think oftentimes we we try to segment our homeschools like the public school so that our kids can learn. But um, but how much more important, you know, putting in all those different aspects that you were doing just by by allowing the kids to work together and empowering them to for their own education, but also that um, the education of a sibling. That's yeah. yeah. You don't want to steal that from them. And I, I think mm -hmm. that's, it's, it's good to think of it in that perspective is we are taking away by not allowing those opportunities to happen. Right. So good. Yeah. And, and to have a less judgmental sibling to, <laughs> to do that with too is yeah. important. <laughs> the sibling who doesn't ask you to, to speed it up when you're sounding out. That right. Exactly. No, Very helpful. Yes. <laughs> 
So, so one of the things you said you wanted to talk about is the process of figuring things out Yeah, as a parent and a, a home educator. Right. So I, I think, um, like I was saying, like we don't, nobody starts out like knowing what they're doing. Even I have a background in education. I've grown up around schools. My mom was a um, career teacher as well. So I grew up, you know, in her classroom and helping out. And I knew about working with kids. I knew about education and it's still been a process with every single one of my kids to figure out what they needed, what worked for them. Um, And it, I think that's part of why um, once I got over that initial overwhelming feeling when AJ was born, I just kind of changed in my brain how I thought about it. Wait, this is just another kid. They're all a puzzle and you kind of have to figure out what pieces go together for them to make school or whatever you're teaching them work for them. Um, Exactly. And I, I think it's just a process of learning and and teasing out what's going to work for each child as you go. Yeah. Um, and it's fine that you don't know everything to start with. Nobody does. But right. um, I also think it builds relationship with your child to be figuring out what works for yes. them. Yes. Um, so true. We know that um, like with babies, they, they bond based on our meeting their needs that doesn't go away as your children get older, you know, as you continue to find things that work for them and identify areas of struggle for them and work with them on like, okay, is this working for you? Like having those conversations, is this working for you? And teasing out, okay, if it's not working, what is the part that's not working? Um, I know with my kiddos who, who struggle with dyslexia, I remember the like kind of aha moment when I realized like, wait, I can tease out the different skills. So the child that was having trouble with um, answering comprehension questions. Okay. So where are we having the issue? Are we having the issue with the actual like reading part of it? Are we having the issue with understanding what we're reading? Like, like, is it taking us too long to read? So we forget the actual sentence at large. Um, or are you having trouble with the actual comprehension questions or is it actually the writing part that's the problem? So my kiddos, I have a couple who struggle with dyslexia and dysgraphia. And so, um, they were actually doing well on the reading part of it. And, but that writing, it was killing them. They could not get it. And by the time they get to like the third word into the sentence, they'd have forgotten their thought. And so, so I just defeating. figured out, yes. right, like so frustrating for them. So I just figured out if we just did those questions orally, they would right. get the entire rest of the point of that lesson. They could read it. They could tell me what happened in it. They could answer my questions. It was just the writing. So I pulled writing out and we used that as a separate skill that they worked on. Oh, and now, yeah. now those kiddos do not have an issue with that anymore. Um, we were able, once they got that writing skill down, to put those skills together and they did yeah. fine. Yeah. But I feel like it built our relationship more, that trust between us that they knew, like, I was in it with them. Like, I was pulling for them and I was praying for them. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have an expectation that they would just figure it out on their own. They knew I was, like, in the trenches with them, you know, really figuring out what the problem was and trying to solve it with them. Um, Well, yeah, you took the step beyond this is the curriculum's fault that you're not learning or your fault that the, you know, this perfect curriculum that says they can teach any child is working. It's, you know, where, where exactly let's be detectives together is the, you know, something awry that we can try to fix with, you know, as a team. Um, And it's really that coaching you're talking about, you know, that coming alongside and as our kids get older, how much more important that is, because I mean, it's a skill that they need to learn, but we're, we're kind of in that with them, kind of teaching them that process in addition to teaching them how to solve that problem specifically for what they're struggling Mm -hmm. in and what a great life lesson, you know, and just how to tackle obstacles, basically, um, at the level that they're facing them. Right. And I I think in the grander scheme of things, just realizing that that talking out those issues 
can be really helpful for finding a solution to it, that you don't have to fix every problem on your own, that there are resources available. And sometimes that's your parents. Sometimes that's a sibling. Sometimes that's your friend. Sometimes there's an organization that helps, you know? Right. And like recognizing that, that you're not stuck with figuring it out all by yourself. You know, I think it's important to teach them that. And it, you know, it's, it's got the benefit of definitely building your relationship, but also just that it, it's that life lesson of understanding that there are other things out there that, and other people out there that can help us get through problems. Absolutely. Yes. And it's, it's not a, you know, just, we live in that mentality. If it can't be fixed quickly, then it just can't be fixed. And then we toss it and we move on to something new and teaching our kids how to be persistent. And, and to, I'm, I know Jenny and I were talking about this before the show started, just that some things take a long, long time to learn and perfect. And if we don't teach that persistence, if we don't teach that long haul mentality, we lose out on so much in our lives and our kids do too. Um, But, but it's something that our kids aren't being taught, you know, through, regular media, you know, everything's instant and, or it does, you don't see the hard work behind what somebody did to get to where they're at. Um, and that's why I, that's one of the reasons I love biographies is because you hear the full story, you hear where people started and the, the things that they went through, um, just to get to, you know, the good stuff that you hear about at the, you know, in certain areas of their life and why they're notable to be remembered. Um, But a lot of times we miss out on what formed that person. And our kids are going through that formation period. We are going through that formation period. Um, And if we give up, we don't have that story to tell. Right. You miss out on so much when you don't continue through and, and make it to where you, you actually understand it when you give up before that. There's yeah. just a lot lost yep. in that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But there are times too, when we need to switch gears. Yes. <laughs> and <That is> true. <laughs> so I definitely want you to approach that as well, because that's like banging our head against the wall, you know, and right. saying right. I'm doing it over and over and over again and nothing changes. Exactly. <laughs> and that's not where you, you know, that's not persistence. Right. So, and yeah. I, I think that kind of realizing that our kids are puzzles kind of is where yes. you can figure out that you need to switch gears when you're, when you're realizing you're, you're watching your kid with a curriculum and you, you see, hold on, maybe, no, maybe the curriculum is just legitimately not working. Like for whatever right. reason, it is not a good fit for this child. And I've, I've tried tweaking this little piece. I've tried teasing stuff out. Absolutely. Then, like, it's okay to just get rid of that curriculum. Like <laughs> I used to feel bad. Like it was, I shouldn't just, you know, we spent money on this curriculum. I'm oh, invested in this it curriculum. Is, <laughs> so painful. And, exactly. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's so much more painful for everyone to keep oh, yeah, to, absolutely. Like, that in when it is just not a good fit. And for us, we've had some really big changes where I've seen um, things work really well for my kids, just in terms of what they needed. Um, with That's awesome. With AJ in particular, um, we've changed a lot. He was a child who started with primarily sign language was his language. That's what he did. Um, he had he had a really extensive signing vocabulary by the time he was three. Wow. And I thought, okay, he's just going to be a signer. That's what we're going to do. Right. But he also really liked to hear things, which was a really interesting combination. Like he, huh. he wanted those hearing aids like immediately when he woke up in the morning. He wanted them on. And he had a progressive hearing loss. So by the time he was three, wow. he had lost all measurable hearing in one ear. And we made the decision as a family to get um, cochlear implants for him just to see if that would be. We wanted him to have that as an option if he wanted it. But we right. still were continuing with the sign language. And he he did really well with that the first year. And then when he got his second implant, he just stopped signing completely. Really? Um, he switched to spoken language and kind of ran with it. And I kept hmm. trying to put those signs back in because I felt like maybe he'll he'll still need them at some point. You know, he'll right. we'll keep just trying to use them. And, you know, several months in, I came to the realization, like, it's his hearing and he gets to decide 
right. what works for him on access. And if that's not what he wants anymore, I don't have a, you know, like it's not going to be helpful to keep trying to jam that in and be like, no, 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 we're still going to do this all the time. Right. That's not what he wanted at that point. We needed to switch gears and do what worked for him. And for us, it was a big adjustment because sure. we had kind of oriented everything towards doing signing. And then we kind of had to, okay, orient. And we didn't, it wasn't a quick, because when you are kind of, oh, I'm sure you're probably just doing it, you know, without thinking about it. (laughs) Exactly. But then you you kind of just realize like, he, okay, he doesn't want that. So we do still sign here and there. We're not really a, we don't fit in any sort of really great box, um, which is okay. It doesn't matter because it works for him. It's what works for him. Exactly. And so, um, but, but I've noticed that with other, I mean, obviously that's the biggest one in, in our lives. That was such right. a dramatic change for him. Um, that was huge. Yes. <laughs> that, that, that it really sticks out in my mind. But there, there have been plenty. I remember a particular spelling um, curriculum that we had, and I thought it was amazing. I, you know, I, I, I researched <laughs> Isn't that it. the way it usually goes? Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is going to be great. It's got, you know, it does have the rules. It's got this and that. And then... It worked beautifully with my first child. I was like, all right, awesome. And my second child was like, yes. um, (laughs) Yeah, it was not flying for him. And I thought, oh, well, maybe we'll try it on the third. No, 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 not a good fit for him either. And it just kind of got to the point that I said, okay, this one just needs to go to the side. Right. If somebody, it's there. If I've learned, (laughs) I've learned, I don't get rid of them anymore. Yes. (laughs) I have had to rebuy some. But in general, I just, if it's not working for that child and you can't tweak it to get to a point that it does work, it's fine to just set it aside and say, okay, we're not doing that now or we're not doing that at all if it doesn't work. Um, Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, it's about finding out what works for that child and their learning, you know, their learning style um, and just how to get that information into them the best. So, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Don't, don't get away, give away or sell anything. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I found out though, when I moved, I kind of had to sometimes, and I know as a military family, you probably have to declutter a bit too. And it's probably a hard choice. What goes, what stays. Um, but yeah. And having so many kids, <laughs> I, I promise it's very freeing when they're all done that you can finally get rid of stuff. <laughs> It's coming. It's coming very quickly. Yes. <laughs> but but yeah, no, those are some really great points that you made about, you know, just that that need to shift. These things can be tweaked, but they there's there's certain things that when a curriculum is is built, you know, the the person who designed it and really is a design and we often don't think so deeply into yeah, somebody just put some things on paper, you know, because some curriculum is actually made that way. You know, like we go to teachers, but faith teachers, and it's just a mishmash of everything. But when curriculum is designed, that designer has a specific methodology and viewpoint, you know, a typical child that they're reaching. And if you're, if it's too far out of the bounds for how you're teaching, how your child receives information, it can tax you so much trying to make those changes versus just setting it aside and buying something new. (laughs) Exactly. But you do learn through the process though, don't you? Oh, you absolutely do. And I, um, I remember early on just feeling like I was going to plan and do everything myself because I had that, I had that degree and I thought Uh I do not need to buy a curriculum. I can just, I'll just design my own curriculum. And that lasted for roughly two months before I realized <laughs> I'd really enjoy seeing my children, you know, like spending right. time with them and and not just spending all day, you know, trying to in between everything, writing out a curriculum. Yes. So when you get to the point that your curriculum is just that far off that you feel like you're basically having to rewrite it, I would say that's a really good clue that right. it's probably time to find something different. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. And that can cause a lot of overwhelm yeah. um, when when you feel like you need to be doing everything. Yes. And, and there's just too much, too many plates we have spinning. We've got to let 
other people or other, you know, businesses or somebody take some of those things away from you. And, um, and sometimes it's the curriculum. Sometimes it's a therapist. I know, you know, a variety of different things and, or, you know, somebody maybe that just comes into your home and helps out, um, for various tasks. It may be schooling. It may just be taking care of your house <laughs> so you can spend more time. You know, it's just, it's, it's a give and take and there's a balance that you have to strike and how much can I do? Um, yeah. So you had, we had talked uh, previously in our, our discussion before we popped on to the, the recorded interview about your, your son, AJ needing a lot of therapy. Um, how did all of that mix in with, cause you were already homeschooling. How did you balance all of that out? Um, I remember being so overwhelmed at first. I remember um, my first thought, when I found out that he was hard of hearing was, oh my goodness, because I have five kids total. My oldest at that point was in fourth grade and, and they went down, they're about two years apart. So okay. they were down the line. And how am I going to do, because I understood from an educational standpoint, how important it was to get early intervention services of some variety so that we could get him started and on the right road um, to being able to learn the skills that he needed. Right. Um, and then he, he wasn't just identified as having a hearing loss. He also had some other issues going on. And so we had four days a week of therapy wow. um, when he was little. And I remember just being so overwhelmed at first, like, I cannot do this. Like it was paralyzing because mm. there was just so much to do. Right. And no one gave me extra hours in a day. It wasn't like, you know, somebody said, oh, here, you're busy. Have a couple extra. Right. Um, <laughs> and then we still had to work on, you know, we had to, I still had to cook and all, all those normal Absolutely. things yes. that still had to happen. And so there were a few things that I did that were really helpful. One of the things that I did was um, I love literacy for my kids. Um, I love the idea of doing read alouds. And I did a yes. lot of them when I had um, a lot of small kids. But when he started doing therapy four days a week, I was driving to all of those things, which oh, took a good chunk out of our day um, to drive there be at therapy and then right. come back. Mm -hmm. And so I found, I discovered audiobooks. Oh, and they, yes. <laughs> they were a for making sure my kids were still getting those like good literacy um, goals met, like that we, we were still reading a lot, but we were just listening in the car. Um, and then I would prioritize like what actually had to be done in a day. Like I did need to feed the children yes. every day. Right. You know, what were <laughs> <laughs> for school, what were the most important tasks that I felt like were really, you know, at that point they were very small. So Absolutely. what were the really foundational things? Um, and they were our language arts. So mostly like reading in particular, those reading skills and math, because I felt like yep. everything else we could do, you know, like history, we could watch videos about history. Like oh, we could yeah. listen to books. Exactly. There were plenty of other things we could do, but those math and those reading skills, they needed me to sit down with them and do. Yes. So that those were a priority for me. And then we added the other stuff in different ways that was kind of easier that took some of the burden off of me. Like I might have the fourth grader read to the younger kids, their history, um, which reinforced yeah. those, you know, reading skills for exactly. him. Exactly. But also the other kids could still hear the lesson. Um, yes. And we did, I'm trying to think what else we did. We did a lot of really fun stuff. Creative things, of, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you kind of have to. Um, so I would have my kids bring, I would, in the morning before we went to therapy, I would sit and I would go over the things that I knew that they needed me to go over with them, like their math or whatever. Yeah. And I would have them, because they'd be in the waiting room. And, you know, that's not fun. That's not fun for kids. <laughs> so yes. I, I would um, have them work on those tasks once, you know, the practice for math or whatever. So they were able to use that time to actually get the things done that they would have just been doing it on. They would have had to do that independently at home anyway. Right. And so it, we then the time that I had with them was time to actually give instruction instead of 
Yes. Waiting for them to do all of those other tasks. Um, exactly. And then I think the biggest thing that was helpful for me when I, when I, and still, because everybody has days where they're overwhelmed with things. So when I, I look, cause right now between my five kids, I've got 40 subjects I'm teaching. <laughs> <laughs> That's just overwhelming. Just saying that. <laughs> so when I think about it too hard, I get a little overwhelmed by it. I was going to say, I've never, I never in my career of homeschooling broke that down. <laughs> Probably if it was a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing portfolio soon here, which is why it's stuck oh, in my head. Yes. But the thing that I've learned is just to pick one thing, like one small thing and do it. Just do one small thing. And it, yeah. it kind of triggers that like motivation in you. Okay. I've got one thing done. Check it off the list. Write it down. That's another thing as I like to, even if I did not have it on a list before, oh, I like to yes. write it down and check it off because it makes me feel better. Oh yeah. You but can there, actually visually see everything you get done. <laughs> exactly. There's that, there's something so important about having just doing one thing and starting it. Yeah. And it, it makes the other tasks easier because then it's not the whole list looking at you. You've got the one thing true. to check off. I, okay, I've got that done. And the reality is we do have a lot to do. Um, as, as homeschooling parents, that's just, that's how it is. There's a lot to do. There's, you know, yes. we, we live in our homes. We're home all day. So our houses look like we're home all day. As yeah, opposed they to, do. Yeah. Know, <laughs> they require more maintenance because of that. Um and so I, I think just that prioritization is key. Like that picking, yes. like what are your, so true. what are your big things that need to really be done every day? And then having reasonable expectations. That's I, true. I've had to learn to cut down my list. Cause I like to, I'm one of those people who has a list a mile long, which there is no way possible I could get through in a month, but right. I've got it there. And I had to finally start um, just, okay labeling them. Like I, I write, you know, if it's really important, it gets written in red. Like this one needs oh, to be yes. done today. Yep. Mm -hmm. Very visual. So, yes. you know, if, if it could be done sometime this week or whatever, then it'll be a different color. If it's right. just something I would like to have done, but it's not top of the list of priorities, then, you know, that gets, that gets its own color too, but something about right. that prioritizing so that the important things fit in yeah. And then you can fit in whatever else you can fit beyond those priorities, but we're never going to get done with everything we feel like we need to do in a day. So kind of breaking down those lists into what is actually manageable. Like we have yes. like, like almost budgeting our time in the same way we budget yeah. money. That's a good way we, to put it. We don't have an infinite resources in either of those. So we need yes. to kind of take what we actually have and break it down into what we can, what we actually are capable of doing with that time that we have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that allows us to release it. Um, yeah. You know, we have to have grace with ourselves. And That's when the day true. comes to an end, you just have to say, I got done what needed to be done and tomorrow's a new day. And, and, and that's, that's okay. Um, yeah. And, but we, we do have to prioritize and that, that is, it's so important because I mean, we're going to just, our natural tendency is to do those things that we want to do versus that we have to do. And, and also, again, we're teaching our kids a really good skill by showing them we do what's most important. It may not be what's most comfortable, what we most like, but it's what's at the top of the list. And when we prioritize our lives in the correct manner, what needs to be done always gets done. And, exactly. and, and God always allows time for the rest and for, you know, all those other things. If we prioritize correctly, it's amazing how that all falls into place. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then uh, just that there's, there is so much grace for every day that, that we're not expected to be perfect. We don't need to right. be, we need to like release ourselves from that idea that, that we're ever even going to attain that here. That's yes. not going to happen. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. That there is so much grace. Like our, our kids are not going to have horrible lives because we didn't teach them this one thing this one right. day. Right. Yes. Like uh -huh. that, <clears throat> that, they will, they will be okay. Our kids are going to be okay. Um, 
and that we don't have to hold all the weight of everything that they need every day, you know, yes. that, that we just step by step through it. And, and it's yep. really that being faithful to that regular, diligent education. That's the important thing. We're teaching them how to think and how to find out information and, and right. these little life skills that we teach them in the midst of teaching the curriculum are the yeah. things that are actually going to carry them. They are. They're really going to learn. So true. Yes. You know, we get those foundational blocks down and, but again, it's the process of how we do it more so than the, you know, the, the check boxes of, yes, yeah. we got that lesson done, that lesson done. And now my child is a good foundation. And so we <laughs> all life is going to go swimmingly. Um, and it just doesn't, <laughs> Exactly. But that's that's uh, unfortunately a, a great lie that we we want to believe so badly because it just is so much easier than saying, well, we'll do everything that we know we need to do that's right to do, and it may all just fall apart, <laughs> even right. even so. And but God is in control and He is good, and you know that I think that's the underlying thing that that trust and that faith where that has to come in because we just do what we know we need to do and we leave the rest to him. Exactly. And there, there's always going to be things that we don't know that we can't yeah. account for, um, or we didn't see coming. Yeah. And I think there's, there's such, um, value and learning to look to the Lord, to learning, to trust him and his sovereignty. Um, especially with our kids, right? Cause I feel yes. like as a parent, like that's, that's such a hard thing. Cause we want to just do it right because we want such good things for them. Yeah. But as much as we want that, um, the Lord wants it more, the Lord yes. wants good things for them more. And what he can see is bigger than what we can see. So true. Yeah. And, and that ability to, to stop and realize like, I'm not God in this situation. I'm not going to know everything. I'm not going to do it perfectly. Right. Like only he could do that, but we can trust him with that. And he, we can trust him with the outcome yes. for our kids that, um, that he will take our efforts mm. and use them for his glory and for our benefit and their benefit. Yes. Yeah. So true. So we have a question from one of our viewers. Um, if you do not know this. If you're not on our mailing list, um, if you get our, our emails every week, we um, we announce the show on Monday night um, before we record it on Tuesday. And we allow you the ability to submit questions ahead of time. Um, by And also that will give you a reminder that the show is happening because I know your lives are crazy. And sometimes you're like, I just need a quick email to tell me, oh, it's about to start. And um, that makes it easier. So, so get on our email list. You can go to our website at spedhomeschool.com and click that you want to be on our newsletter and then I'll um, subscribe you. But um, we had one, one of our subscribers, right? Um, Jacqueline B said, I need best tips on getting over the overwhelm. So what do you have to share, Jenny? <laughs> I think first remembering that we are not responsible for all of it. Like we have a yeah. responsibility to, to teach our kids and to learn and, and to figure out what works for them. But we are not the end all be all here. Yes. And so I think just starting from that point can be really helpful because it feels like kind of some of that weight gets lifted off of our shoulders. It's not all on us. Yes. Our kids are going to be okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I think just as you like, again, back to that, like figuring out what are those important things? Like, what are the things that really mean something? Yeah. And starting with one small one can be so helpful and, and kind of like yeah. relieving that sense yeah. of overwhelm because just a small step forward is still a step forward. And sometimes yes. that's all you need to kind of break through and, and move forward. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. and I think also talking to, I, I found that we kind of um, bounce ideas off of each other and stuff and to have people who can kind of be a sounding board for you and whatever, whether that's you're in therapy or whether you're talking to um, friends or getting godly counsel, like having somebody who can say to you, like, 
it's okay. You don't actually have to do all of this or you don't have to, you know, kind of who can help you prioritize, who can help you figure out um, what you need to be doing, but also what lies we're telling ourselves because we do tell ourselves lies, like not intentionally, Yes, but Uh like, oh, I should be perfect. I should be good at this. I should know how to do that. I I should have done more. And I, I know the people who have spoken truth to me and said, Okay, so you're kind of expecting yourself to be God, basically. At this point, you're ex- you're not not in the sense of like actually right. being God, yeah. but in the sense of like you're expecting characteristics of God in yourself. You're expecting yourself to be perfect. You're expecting yourself to know everything. Yeah, and those are things. Those are lies, and they're defeating because they they're are. lies. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the goal of lies is to be defeating to us. Right. So just having that sounding board can be really helpful too, just to help you put things in proper perspective, I feel like. Yeah. It's, you know, yeah. When you're in that pit, that, that overwhelm is like covering you. And sometimes it it just gets so weighted that we do, we need that hand of somebody else that is, you know, just willing to grab it and, and say, I'm just here with you. You know, like you were talking about earlier with your kids and this is my perspective from up here <laughs> versus your perspective down there. Um, and, and if we're willing to listen and learn yeah. how freeing and, that can be. And I think too, and I should have said this first, cause it is actually the bigger one. <laughs> Pray, <laughs> praying, praying oh, is yes. so big for me for fighting that overwhelm for remembering who I am and who he is. And um, just, being able to um, figure out what I, what, what is the priority? I mean, that's, that's, you know, listening through prayer, you know, to, to figure out what I should be doing, like what is actually the priority here. And that can also be really helpful for kind of bringing calm too. I think in that peace that you can get through prayer on top of being able to actually logistically figure out what needs to be done. Right. Yes. It it kind of just, God has that ability to break in when we open ourselves up to his will versus just ours Mm -hmm. and, and just kind of leave it as, okay, your will be done. What does that look like? Instead of me doing this hamster wheel thing of my will, my will, my will, and eventually everything just has to come about. Um, It just doesn't work that way. And and there's, there's so much more peace and purposeful steps when we proceed. I'm using a lot of peas. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Everything just with being in, in his presence and, and saying, okay, let's, let's just not allow all these weights to, you know, that scripture, you know, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I mean, I think that's been a theme this month, whether we set that as our theme or not. <laughs> um, but, but God doesn't want us to be overwhelmed. Um, he just says, learn from me. I mean, and I, I loved when I captured that in that verse was that we, he takes the yoke, but it isn't just of him taking the weight. It's about our need to learn through the process. It is a learning thing. And when we put ourselves into that, that mode where we're just learning alongside God, it's not up to us. We're just in process like our kids are in process. And that, that just, it helps so much, so much. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so, um, I don't, I, we've just got 10 minutes to talk. I want you to talk a little bit about hands and voices, um, and just what you do, um, with the military, um, part of that support group. Um, and, but I'd also like you to talk before that you said you have a a child who had cancer and that, that, that process had to be extremely overwhelming for your family and, um, and in the process of, you know, homeschooling and everything else, would you talk just a little bit about that and that process? Absolutely. So, yeah. So, um, I have my middle kiddo, um, was 
treated for leukemia. He is actually ringing the bell this week. So we are very excited that he's done after three and a half years of treatment. Um, But yeah, we had, um, we had actually just moved to um, where we are now. And um, within a month of that, he was diagnosed with cancer. And so it was, and, and then we were also not far out from, my youngest son's um, co- second cochlear implant surgery. So we were kind of handling multiple medical right. issues simultaneously. And it was very overwhelming, I think, for mm. everyone right. initially. Just, um, just you know, honestly, the, the fear that comes when your child yeah. is diagnosed with cancer, um, but also just how much needed to be done because we were still very much in... Um, doing a lot of therapy for my younger son. And then absolutely with my middle kiddo, um, he needed, obviously we were in, he was in the hospital every week for chemotherapy at the beginning, um, just wow. because that's how it, it, that's how it works. Right. <laughs> um, and I, one of the things that we, we really had to cut back on, um, like all the extras that we would do. I was, I'm a big, like, let's go to the library programs. Let's go on a field yes, trip. Let's do, yes. let's do this fun project that takes over my whole house. And, you know, <laughs> exactly. let's do it. Let's do it. And, and there's five of my them. Furniture. So like everybody, yes. <laughs> yeah, everybody gets a new project. And, um, we kind of at that point had to really pull back and say, okay, what are we, hmm. what are we actually, actually able to do um yes and and it wound up looking a lot different um things like i i switched us on to uh an online um curriculum because it graded papers because it was just something that i could not deal with at that point it just i had too many other things that actually needed my direct attention so something that could say a b c d yes you're right um awesome perfect you will do that for a while Um, but I also think like so much of the process was just learning the lessons that God had for us in it, like learning to trust him, learning. That was where I, that was where I really learned about God's sovereignty and his care for my children being so much greater than my own. I love my kids immensely. Um, I, I love them as their parent, but I actually like, I just genuinely like really like them too. They're really fun. Right. Yeah. And I, I'm a person who's either all or nothing. So like homeschooling, I'm all in, um, realizing like that the Lord is so much more in for my kids than I am. Like, and he is trustworthy. And I think that transferred so much to me to our homeschooling journey that as much as I want the best for them with this, and I want to do all the right things for them and make it work. He's the only one who can actually do perfection. Like, right. And he's the one who is trustworthy with their lives, with their futures. And um, that it kind of just, it takes some pressure off of the homeschooling and off of feeling, uh, off of the overwhelm, really, of feeling like so much was just on me to make sure I had all the right, whatever it was. Um, Absolutely. And that I don't need to do that. I just need to be faithful and taking the next step. And that's why I, I always say, like, in getting rid of that overwhelm, the biggest thing is the next step. But that's really yeah. what being faithful is. It's taking the next step in faith. It is. So often we don't know what's coming. We don't know what the future is going to look like. Yeah. But we're not responsible for that. Yeah. We're responsible for taking True. the next step in faith. And for those of us who are homeschooling, that next step is doing what that child needs at that moment. And that, that plays into, you know, whether you need to make a decision to change what you're doing, or you need to stick with it through, you know, and, and just kind of work through the thing that's hard to do, but that you can still do. Yes. The next step is the most important thing. And I, I think that's really what I've I've learned um, because that's when you're looking at a cancer diagnosis um, because he he was very, very sick at the beginning. That's all you get. That's all you, and that's all of us really get, right? Like at the end of the day, all Mm -hmm. any of us get is this next step that we're taking right now. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You say that because when I was fighting my cancer battle, the, the words on my mirror were fight forward because it is that step that is so hard just to move the next step. 
and um, and I, it does translate very well to some of our days. You know, they feel like such a battle, and fight forward, fight forward for yourself, fight forward for your children. That it's yeah. it's worth it. It's worth every struggle Absolutely. and every battle. Yeah, yeah. so Absolutely. true. Absolutely. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I I yeah. appreciate you. Um, doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell us about Hands and Voices. So I love Hands and Voices. They're a phenomenal parent-led organization. Um, we're nationwide. We have different chapters um, for each state. Yeah. Um, and we support families of deaf and hard of hearing kids. And and each state kind of does it a little bit differently. But the, the idea is that um, when you have a child who is deaf or hard of hearing, you get a lot of like, get a lot of input. (laughs) I'm sure you do. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and and you hear from a lot of professionals and, um, right. It's really helpful to, to walk with people who've walked down that path before who, um, kind of know what to look out for, what to, you know, um, because there, there's a really diverse range of oh, ways that I'm you sure. can um, yes. work with kids who are deaf and hard of hearing. I, I have friends whose children use only ASL, no amplification of any kind, um, and who do beautifully with that. And I have friends whose kids are completely spoken language, have never done ASL in their lives, and they do well with that. And so it's it's about kind of wow. knowing what what that range is so that you can pick what works for your child. And that's the reason I love hands and voices is because um, they offer non-biased support. So it's not slanted. I mean, uh, everyone obviously has their own opinion, but it's as an organization, they try so hard to um, make sure that parents are given all the options, have information on all the options so they can pick what works best for their child. And I'm really fortunate. I get to um, help co-lead their military project, um, which I founded with one of my my friends who was a former teacher of the deaf back um, oh, when cool. AJ was a baby, <laughs> actually. And so we support military families. Um, we don't do a lot of like the local things, the local things we kind of say, go talk to your state chapter um, and learn about what's happening right. locally with you. We do more of the things like how do you, what do you need to do to get your child's hearing aids covered through our um, military insurance or cochlear implants. Like how does that work? So many unique things, right? Yeah. Or, or like linking up parents with like, okay, who's been at Fort bliss and knows what, what's available there. Um, Oh yeah. Linking up parents because our kids have generally speaking, uh, um, two to three month lag in services every time we move. And so we want to try to close wow. that gap so they can right. get their services quickly. So, um, yeah, you really just enjoy supporting parents, getting to talk with them. And um, we have a, a face group. It's um, if you look up hands, hands and voices and it's military family support is the group. Okay. And it is just for um parents of deaf and hard of hearing kids. Um, we don't right. typically have professionals in there. You want it to be a safe place. Yeah, for that's what we do to... with our Facebook group too. Uh, they, they have to answer that they're a parent and uh, cause yeah, support is so much different than resource sharing. Um, yes. and not a lot of people understand that, but when you start sharing resources, nobody shares anymore. Um, they feel like their trust has been broken. And so to keep those separate. So I'm, I'm so happy to hear that you, you've, provide that for parents and that, that support because it is so crucial when um, we don't know what we're doing and we need that that reassurance that it's going to be okay. And there's people that have walked this road before you. So, so thank you for, for doing what you do with them. And I also want to thank Carter Hears. They are um, a business that works with homeschooling parents to um, to help them to, to with students who have um, 
hearing issues, they are sponsoring this broadcast today. Um, and so you can visit carterhears.com as well. And then Hands and Voices, it's handsandvoices.org um, that um, Jenny is associated with. So, well, thank you so much, Jenny. This has been an Thanks amazing conversation. Um, definitely feeling less overwhelmed. I got on today and I'm like, I'm not even ready. <laughs> so this was, these were words I needed to hear. And um, even though it isn't related to homeschooling, it's related to just all the changes going on with Sped Homeschool, which we have some exciting things going on. So you want to visit our website. Um, some big changes have already started to take place. We have new things on our freebies page um, and and some other things coming your way in our newsletters, some deals and, and other things. So, so be on the lookout for that. Um, and then next week, we start our new monthly topic. We're going to be ta talking about twice exceptional children, which um, those are those kids that are gifted with a glitch. Um, I know I have three of them. And that takes a unique approach. And so we're going to start out talking about student stress management, because a lot of these kids have very perfectionist uh, mindsets, because they can do something very well. And they think across the board, they can do everything well. And then they get very depressed and defeated. So we're going to talk about that stress that really is the very beginning of all of that and how to help your student with that. So I'm super excited to dive into that topic. Um, but we've had a great month. If you haven't listened to all the broadcasts, um, go back, go to the podcasts. Um, they're just, just started coming out actually this week. Um, and or watch on the YouTube channel um, some of our past broadcasts. Thank you again, Jenny. This has been Thank an you. amazing conversation. Thank you for being willing to be on the show and share your um, your wisdom and expertise. It's it's been a a pleasure. Just um, thank you having so this much for having conversation with you. Absolutely. And so thank you all for joining us. Um, and we'll see you again next week, same time, same place. Here. Until then, God bless and have a great week. Bye, everybody. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. This has been Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. I'm Don Hawkins, inviting you to be encouraged with my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You. To subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.